If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, where we look at the red-letter basics of the Word of God to find the church that the Lord intended, not the one that man created with their traditions and their rituals and their religion. And in doing so, we will restore the priesthood of the believer. I believe that we are already doing it, regaining that world-shaking influence the Book of Acts Church had, because the church age is still in effect. We have a job to do now more than ever. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org. Go there, use the contact button. Or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button there to reach out to us. Also, ways to support us. We appreciate each and every one of you that do support us. We can't do it without you. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site on Firefall Talk Radio. This is the main streaming source of the porch and soon to be reestablished Overwatch. So bookmark us. Use the Spreaker app. If you've been listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, switch over to here. We welcome our Blog Talk listeners, the few of you that are left. Also, um iHeart Radio, iTunes, and Spotify. Start out with praise reports and prayer requests. Well, I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids, all of our possessions, all this technology, uh, the room that I am doing this in. This is all from the Lord. Nothing I have is from anyone else but Him. He may use people to do it, but my soul trusts is in him. I praise him for his protection over us, for the ministry he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions which are very active right now. Sleep, what is that? I praise him for his healing virtues. I praise him for being able to praise him. So many places in the world, people are being slaughtered, persecuted, losing their homes, being put into jail for praising the Lord or believing that Jesus of Nazareth is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that he is Messiah. I praise him for America. I praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I hope you believe that because he is. And I praise him for everything that we need to do before then. Yes, I praise him for the work, for the ministry and all the work that needs to be done. But we got to pray. need to pray for the Middle East. Things are happening there. At any moment, it could pop off into war. So we pray for Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which means we pray for the return of the Prince of Peace. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, for our brothers and sisters around the world, which I've just talked about. They need our our prayers. They need our support. I'll be talking about that in the weeks to come as we we talk about the martyrs of the Bible. I I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb. It's just the bloodshed, the horror, the, the depraved evil of the world right now is really overwhelming. Anti-Semitism, it's on the rise every day. It's more and more. We are looking more and more like it was before the Lord came back, came the first time. So that'll be the way it'll be when he comes back. 
And, of course, we continue to pray and intercede for human trafficking, sex trafficking, and all of the harm that's being done to young boys, young girls, and women. I pray divine wholeness, health, and continued healing in all of us. Let's get back to our divine design. We've got a job to do, so let's be healthy. Pray healing for all who are sick right now, protection, for inspiration. I pray for the remnant to wake up, to rise up, and answer the call to action. If you know how to pray, pray. If you know how to support, support. Whatever it is you know how to do, let's get it done. For those who are called to be a blessing, I reach out to you right now. Reach out to those that know people that could be a blessing. We need your help. Firefall needs your help. SRT needs your help. We have a job to do, a mission to complete. So we pray for the open conduit of his blessings upon us. Continue to pray for the victims of Hurricane Dorian. Currently, 70,000 people are homeless. No power or water. The death toll is officially at 50. However, the National Emergency Management Agency spokesman indicated that 2,500 people are still missing and presumed dead. Disease is rampant from the bodies and the carcasses decaying in the water around the people. You've got to remember, there's no dry land. Everything's covered in water right now. Today is the 18th anniversary of September 11th, 9-11. 2,997 people died that day. 343 firefighters, 72 law enforcement officers, 55 military personnel. As of July 2019, 1,644 of the 2,753 World Trade Center victims, that's 60%, have been positively identified. And as recently as July, another one was identified and laid to rest. But the people that survived are still dying of cancer. There's a lot of questions to be asked A lot of things that I won't cover here, but I am going to cover on Overwatch. But there's no question that evil did a lot of harm that day. And that we are never the same and we should never forget. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando. Healing, relief from the pain, restoration of of what's been done and and favor. Let's get it done. Let's, Let's move on with our lives. Stacy in Texas, she is forcing me to say y'all. Hey, thinking of y'all and praying always. I know why you do that, Stacy. You just want to hear me say y'all. Thank you, Abba, for saving my soul. I am not the same person as I was two months ago. And this is because of you. Strongholds are breaking. Walls are coming down in your name. My family is being broken and put back together, and I praise you for this. You give and take away. You save. You heal. You deliver. Pray for my friend and sister Kim, your daughter. I ask that you surround her and her family with angel armies. Silence the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Abba, give her defiant joy, the kind of joy that makes no sense to people watching. Bless and protect the Porch family's SRT. May the blessing be released in Jesus' name so they can pursue their mission for you. And all of this, all of this in the name above all names, Jesus our Messiah. Uh, Kim in Fort Mitchell, I'm doing this for her. I'm asking for prayer and intercession for her and her family during a very difficult time. So prayer warriors, get get your um, prayer shawls on, your prayer caps on, and whatever you need to do, and begin to pray for Kim and her family in Fort Mitchell. Father, we just come to you now in the name above all names. We live in a fallen world. We know that. We live in a world that's covered in darkness, but we are called to be a light to the world. Sometimes that's difficult, but we're asking you right now in your favor and in your grace and your mercy, help us, help us to shine brighter, relieve the pressure. We give our burdens up to you. We cast our burdens upon the Lord, and we thank you. We remember what you did for us on the cross. We remember the price that you paid for us so that we could be free and reconciled to our Heavenly Father, that we could call him Abba, Father. Papa God, Daddy, and that we could have such a large family, and for anybody that's come from a broken family, to suddenly have brothers and sisters all around the world that you know that are praying for you, it touches your heart, it helps you to keep going every day. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the blessings that are coming. We trust in your word. We thank you for the healing in our bodies. 
We thank you for the Holy Spirit being with us and walking with us and teaching us and reminding us of what the Lord said. And Lord, most of all, we remember and we love you and we praise you. You are the name above all names. You are everything to us. So tonight, Lord, touch us, reach into our hearts, reach into our minds, souls, and spirits, and change us. Let us end the next by the next hour, by 8 o'clock Eastern time, be different. To hear from you, to have an answer to a prayer, to have revelation knowledge, whatever it is, Lord, we believe and we receive. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So the title of tonight's lesson, if you will, is called In the Dark. So go with me. We're going to start we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, but I'm going to start in Luke 4. So just follow along. Open your Bibles. If you don't have one, reach out to us. We'll get you one. It's easy online. You can follow digitally, but I want you to have a tangible Bible in your hands. So basically, the what I'm about to share with you picks up after what I call the Nazareth proclamation of Luke 4, starting with verse 16. So he of course, he being Yeshua, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So right after that, right after John's baptism in the Jordan, he is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pick this up in Matthew 4, starting with verse 1. And then Yeshua was led into the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Yeshua said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. And Yeshua said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now when John had been, when Jesus, Yeshua, had, been, had heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Yeshua began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.16, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Well, Yeshua was being prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, which is where that whole section comes from. Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. The shadow of death is a deep darkness. If you don't know what that is, you haven't been paying attention because I've talked about it a lot over the last two years. A deep darkness is a darkness deeper and darker than anything that's ever been seen or felt before. It's so dark that you can't even see the hand in front of your face. I've been in that kind of darkness, and it's frightening. But this light, the light that they're saying will shine, is a perpetual, unstoppable, absolute light, and it is the opposite of all darkness. 1 John 1, verses 5 and 7 This is the message we heard from Yeshua and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Yeshua, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. This issue of darkness and light has been a prevailing topic here on the porch and uh, when we used to do reflections in the dark and with what we do with SRT. But I see it now more in the world and in the church than I ever have before. According to Barnes' notes on the New Testament, light in the scriptures is the emblem of purity, truth, knowledge, prosperity, and happiness as dark is of the opposite. John here says that God is light. Not the light or a light, but his light itself, that he himself is all light and is the source and fountain of light in all worlds. He's perfectly pure without any admixture of sin. He has all knowledge with no admixture of ignorance on any subject. He is infinitely happy with nothing to make him miserable. He is infinitely true, never stating or countenancing an error, not promoting an error. He is blessed in all his ways, never knowing the darkness of disappointment and adversity. I find that so powerful that Barnes would say that in that commentary, tying into what I wanted to say today about light and darkness. James 1.17 reinforces it. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Which means wherever wherever he is as light, there are no shadows. And being in darkness or being in the dark indicates a great ignorance because we see nothing, we know nothing, and are ignorant of the God who said, Let there be light. Everything about our lives, everything about our walk, everything about what we say and do should be light. And the only way to remove the darkness is by light. John 3.19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That phrase, those who sat in the region and shadow of death. I want you to get this because many of you are being overwhelmed by shadows. A shadow is caused by an object coming in between us and the sun, S-U-N, but also spiritual shadows are caused by things that come in between us and the sun, S-O-N. 
The Hebrews saw death as standing between us and the sun and casting a long, dark, baleful shadow abroad and across the face of the nations. And it indicated their great ignorance, their sin, and their woe. A dismal, gloomy, dreadful shade where death and sin reigns. With the dampness of those cold chills and the horror of dwelling in the place of the dead. I can't even imagine the people in the Bahamas who can't get off the island for whatever reason, who are trapped where they are. I've seen the interviews where people are saying, well, while you're looking at me a few feet over there, not too far away, there's a body, there's a body of a dog here and carcass over there and there's people underwater. It's, it's horrible to be around death. But folks, we live in a fallen world and we are surrounded with both natural and spiritual death every day. Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The rod to protect you, the staff to pick you up when you fall. Now listen to me. People who lose hope spend too much time in the dark looking at the shadows. Darkness brings despair. The longer you stare at shadows, the bigger they become. The world before the life, death, and resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, was enveloped in a spiritual darkness. And he became the light of the world that separated the darkness and gave the light of life. And we, believers in Yeshua, born again, spirit-filled, are called and created to be lighthouses. You've heard me use this example before. But a lighthouse is no good if the lamp is not turned on. You're not going to guide anyone away from the destruction of the rocks of this world if your light's not on. Ships will crash against the rocks and be destroyed because they will look to that lighthouse and there will be no light on. A lighthouse is built for one thing only and it is designed to shine light and a keeper, a light keeper, is placed there to keep the light on. As disciples of the one who spoke the words, let there be light. We are called to the privilege of being light bearers to those who sit in darkness. Look at Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, this is the Lord talk, uh, God talking about the Lord. As a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring prisoners out of prisoners, prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Yeshua said, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You, you and I, each and every one of you, young and old, male and female, doesn't matter what your education level is, doesn't matter what you did before, it only matters where you are now. You are all children of the light, sons and daughters of the light and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night, nor are we of darkness. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special, his own peculiar people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So then why do so many brothers and sisters in the Lord sit in darkness? I'll tell you one reason why they don't listen to Ephesians 5.11. Ephesians 5.11, the, the motto for SRT, have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We're too busy ignoring them. We're too busy playing nice with them. We don't want to expose them. We don't want to offend anybody. 
It can't be. You can't compromise. You are either light or you're not. Your light is either on or you're not. And if it's not on, then you are part of the problem and a part of the darkness. God made a separation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, 1. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Why? Because light and darkness are distinctly separate and cannot coexist. And he goes even further in Acts 26, when he clearly shows the power of darkness and who's behind it. This is when Paul tells the story about his experience with the Lord and what the Lord said to him. The Lord told Paul, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, child to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn. Listen to the order here of the words to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Hasatan, Satan, the adversary, to God. Darkness to light, Satan to God. So therefore, we have what? Satan is darkness, God is light. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Any darkness of any kind is satanic. Let me say that again in case you didn't get it. Any darkness of any kind is not from God. It is satanic. Darkness is Satan's power. It's his authority. It's where he rules and reigns. It's what he's in charge of, what he has control over. It's his domain. It's his jurisdiction. It's where you find the shadows I've been talking about, where you find sin, where you find immorality. So his power is what? His power is shadows, obscurity, sin, immorality, dimness. If you're in the shadows right now, you're in Satan's domain. Anybody you know dwelling in shadows right now is in danger. They're in Satan's domain. Light is God. He shines, he makes manifest, he, he makes things visible. He is, is the, the heavenly light. He's the light of all things, the light that emanates from the angels. The, it emanates from every existing thing, from every power, from every star, from every fire. He is brightness. He's pure. He's true. He's holy. And the problem is... When we try to coexist in a fallen world that perpetuates darkness instead of being the light that dispels it. This is a common problem, and I think it's getting worse. We've talked about apostasy. We've talked about falling away from the faith. But we have been compromising with the world. We've been saying it's okay. I don't want to step on their toes. I don't want to make them feel bad. Oh, gee, that person's drowning. I don't don't want to scare them. So uh, I'll wait till they finish thrashing. Well, if you do that, it'll be too late. John 3, starting verse 18, red letter basics. He who believes in him, him, meaning Yeshua, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. People in the dark, they'll wallow. They like the dark. If you've ever worked at night or I used to do security in places at night in the darkness and the clubs and the uh, theaters and the concert halls, tell you what, people love darkness and there's some really crazy things that go on there. 
but we, as light bearers and lighthouses, have allowed the world, and therefore the enemy, to convince us that the light is too bright and hurts people's eyes. And then we wonder why everyone is floundering around in the darkness. How can the deeds of darkness be seen if there is no light or the light has been dimmed? Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord, so live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Oh, you can just turn on cable television and see it. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it's said, Awake, O sleep, arise from the dead, and Messiah will give you light. Those that walk in darkness walk in sin and error. It means that they think they're in a good spiritual state, but they're not. How many people do you know that think they're good people? They may not necessarily be believers, definitely not born again, but they're good people. They're not bad people. They don't see what they're doing is wrong. They don't get it. They've been deceived. They've been tricked. And as desirable as it is to be comfortable in that atmosphere, we can't. No true believer in Yeshua can. And if we do, we lie. We're liars. We're liars to ourselves. We're liars to others. We're liars to the world. And we're lying to God. We're deceived. Can't have fellowship with God and practice sin. How many, how many whose minds are dark, who have never known anything of the real peace and joy which I'm talking about in Yeshua, they have no concept of the peace and the joy that is imparted in a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus of Nazareth. Many believe they're going to heaven. I see so many people post things on on social media, rest in peace, so-and-so, enjoy heaven. And I look at their lives and their profession and what they believe, and I shake my head. Say, no, no, I know where they are right now. They're in the outer darkness, confused, not understanding why they are where they are. And that's not even the worst place. They haven't been judged yet. Final judgment hasn't happened. A relationship with the Lord. If you say that you are a believer in Jesus of Nazareth, if you say that you are born again, then there is no darkness in you, around you, or should be near you. A relationship with the Lord is light, it's peace, it's pure, it's joyful. Now, there, there are times where believers get left in darkness. They have not been discipled. They've been not led out of where they used to be and are comfortable in. They have no spiritual joy. They even doubt their own salvation. But yet when they see the light, and a brother of mine a very long time ago explained it to me this way. He pointed to the light on the ceiling. He said, if you lived in this room your whole life, and I told you that that light was the sun and the brightest thing out there, you'd believe me until you actually saw the sun. So many people think that they're in light when they're in darkness because they've never seen the sun, S-O-N. They've never felt his love. They've never felt his touch. Dwelling in the shadows is dangerous. Sooner or later, you're going to trip and fall in the darkness. And for some, that fall is fatal. Now, this wasn't the Bible study I'd worked on yesterday. 
But a story got shared with me by my son, Jesse, and I began to do research on it. And I began to listen to the Lord, and I began to realize he had something else to say. And this is what instigated tonight's Bible study. On Monday night, Jared Wilson, a pastor with the megachurch Harvest Christian Fellowship Church in Riverside, California, committed suicide at the age of 30. He left behind a wife and two young sons. He had struggled with depression and mental health issues and suicidal thoughts his whole life. For some reason, when he got the job at Harvest Christian Fellowship, they allowed him to start a ministry called Anthem of Hope for those who struggled with depression and thoughts of suicide. Well, hours before his death, he went on social media, and this is what he tweeted. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Really? And then I've seen supposed believers that I know personally on social media, in the news, or their news people, or this, whatever they are, and they say, the scourge of suicide, and, and there are no answers, and we don't know what to do, and, and I wanted to scream, what do you mean you don't know what to do? You claim that you know the light of the world. Of course we know what to do. I, f- I feel bad for this man. I feel worse for his family and for those who believed in him. That being said, their acceptance of depression and suicide as normal and a part of our walk is disturbing and part of the problem. Unfortunately, it's happening a lot in the church lately. Too much so. But when that young man said loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts, and loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. He forgot one thing. If you love Jesus, you're in a relationship with him. And if you're in a relationship with him, you are where he is. And if you're where he is, there is no darkness at all. So I don't know his training. I don't know him personally. I know a little bit about that church. I'll talk about that in a minute, my personal experience. But he's talking about a different Jesus than the one I know and then the one that's talked about in the Bible. So I've been asked, what do I think about of the effect of his suicide on eternity? I don't think it has any effect on his eternity, except for maybe the rewards that we are supposed to receive. Because whether he was possessed or not in his right mind by a chemical imbalance or some other issue, I don't believe it cost him his eternity. I don't believe they're in their right mind. I know a number of people, four, that have fallen victim to the lies of the enemy. It was because they dwelled in shadows. It was because they allowed the darkness to overwhelm them. And it was because when they sat in the darkness, nobody saw them and was willing to go into the darkness to get them. But what I do see is his choice does not glorify God. What I do see, it has harmed his family and his loved ones and especially his children and those that have followed him or those that he ministered to are now wondering. Look at the ripple effect of what his choice has done to those left behind. Now, I used to think otherwise. I used to think it was cut and dried. You killed yourself, you went to hell. But having dealt with it and having been in the middle of it and then having to see the Lord's grace and his mercy and his power and hear him explain it to me, what I come to see is the power of the enemy and the church's apparent inability to stop it. I also understand because I've heard those thoughts of the enemy. I've heard those lies that in the midst of trouble or tribulation or problems or, or attacks or just seeming failures, the, the whisper, you'd be better off, they, you, your family would be better off without you. Everyone would be better off without you. You have delusions of grandeur. You're not going to accomplish any of these things you think you're going to accomplish. Why bother? Oh, I've heard it, folks. 
And there have been times that I've been down on the floor in a fetal position and listening to those thoughts and not entertaining them, but listening for a little too long and then having to get angry, having to say no, no. I love the Lord way too much to make that decision, and I know how much he loves me, and I know this is but for a moment, and I will come out of this. And devil, you kicked me one more time than you needed to because I have a relationship with the living God. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know who I am. He is my father, and I am his son, and only he will decide when I go. My relationship with the Lord was the anchor. But you see, what this young man did is not uncommon. In 2018, LifeWay Research did a study, and it focused on churchgoers' views regarding suicide and then pastors' views, and most of the studies was sponsored by the American Association of Christian Counselors, the Liberty University Graduate Counseling Program, Liberty University School of Medicine, and the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. And you'll notice none of those things are places where spirit-filled people are. Anyway, here's what it said. 55% of churchgoers say they hear about suicide in their local community nearly once a year. 32% have had a close family member or acquaintance take his or her own life. 76% of the churchgoers agree that suicide is a problem that needs to be proactively addressed in the local communities. 84% agree churches have a responsibility to provide resources and support to individuals with mental illness and to their families. Overwhelmingly, churchgoers agree that suicide and mental health needs to be addressed and that the church has a responsibility to be a leading voice in the conversation. And I would personally add to that, that unless the Holy Spirit is that voice and the people speaking it can speak the Holy Spirit's voice, you're at a disadvantage. Protestant church goes about a family member or close acquaintance to die by suicide. Said only 4% said that their church leaders were aware of the person's struggle or risk of suicide in the months prior to their death. And only 4% of their church members were aware. Oh, the churches responded after the suicide. Remember, that's reactive, not proactive. And they began to pray with them, 49% said. 43% said the, the, the churches and churchgoers and the pastors attended the visitations and the funerals. I know I used to go with Shelley to them. Or visited the families or sent cards, 41% visited, 32% said they sent cards, provided meals, stayed in touch, blah, blah, blah. But 49% of those polled who had a close family member or acquaintance take his or her own life agreed that their loved one had withdrawn from most, if not all, relationships and nobody went to look for them. You know why? Business as usual. Church is based on a consumer model where groups of customers gather together to purchase religious goods and services. Remember I said in that experience with Riverside Church out in California, I wrote uh, Pastor Greg Laurie, who was the lead pastor, and I wrote the whole pastoral staff because I had a young man who was in danger of harming himself and harming others and was demon-possessed. His mother reached out to me for help. I reached out to them said, can you help this young man? Call them up, follow up the email. It's the answer I got. Does it go to church here? No. Well, you know, our resources are pretty limited to those who go to church here. And, um, you know, and I said, let me speak to Pastor Lloyd. Well, he's too busy for that. I said, let me speak to one of his subordinates. Oh, they're way too busy for that. I said, so what you're telling me is this young man could kill himself, his mother, his brothers and sisters, or the people on his block, but you can't do anything about it. Never heard from them again except to get emails asking me for money. Second time I called them, I was even less nice than the first time. Sheep wander all the time, folks, and it's the shepherd's job to need to find out where they went and make sure they're okay. So if they went to somebody else's fellowship, so be it. At least you've done your job. 
because hurting people fall through the gaps. And the churches and the church leadership take the easy road out. And they only care for the happy, easygoing person who shows up every Sunday and Wednesday and doesn't make it difficult upon them. Well, guess what? The Lord drew close to the hurting people, and hurting people drew close to him. And he cared for them, and he sent his disciples to care for them. The church is for the broken. And the church without the broken is a broken church. We have failed our mandate. We must seek out the broken. We must get dirty. It's messy. It's difficult. But we're supposed to be agents, torchbearers, lighthouses. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit and share the love of the Lord with the hurting and point them to a Savior who loves them dearly and to help them. In thinking about Jared Wilson, I have to wonder how many missed the signs. He needed help. He needed deliverance. I looked at some of his pictures on social media, and if anyone would have had the discerning of spirits, they could have looked into his eyes and seen that something was wrong. But no one did. And he never, never should have been left in a place of leadership and stress and the attack that comes with it. A wounded sheep is prey for the wolves. So I offer no criticism to him. I offer it to the leadership of that church. They failed. Dead religion and no abiding relationship with the living God is the problem. Religion won't do it. Ritual won't do it. It's only when you know him personally that when at that moment the devil tells you to do it, and it doesn't matter how dark it is, doesn't matter how broken it you are, even if for a split second you think it might be relief, Something will flare up in your heart. Something will whisper, the Lord loves you. And you'll come out of the shadows. And you'll come out of the darkness. You'll come out better. Yeshua is enough. He overcame all darkness. A relationship with him is enough. And the church today needs to stop business as usual. Business as usual is what got us here. Romans 13, starting verse 11, tells me this, And do this knowing the time, that it is now time, high time, to awake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Folks, the night's almost gone. The day of salvation, the day of the Lord, will soon be here. So let's help those people shake off the dark deeds and the dirty clothes. Let's help dress them up in the armor of light, the armor of right living. Let's do it ourselves so they can see us. Let's not participate in darkness and wild parties and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living and in quarreling and jealousy. Let's stop living this false Christianity, this false religion. Instead, let's clothe ourselves and walk in Him. Walk in the Spirit, in the presence of Yeshua. You know, the Roman Christians that Paul was writing to, they were asleep. They were not living this dynamic life of a believer that I'm talking about. They They had lost the daily expectation and the joy of Messiah's return. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. If you're in in the shadows right now, I got to take a breath. I'm, I'm talking and not breathing. If you're in the darkness right now, I'm sorry, I'm really passionate about this darkness light thing. I lived in darkness, almost lost my family, almost lost my soul. 
I understand the power of darkness, but I understand greater the power of light. And I have no tolerance and no time to play church or for, for religion. Psalm 31, 24, write this down. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I yell, I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. When we lose hope, we sit down in the shadows of our situation, and we allow the enemy to have access to us. We listen to their lies, and we forget the truth. What is the truth? Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. I get it. The situations are bad. I had a situation this week with my health, things I battled with, some ancestral, some of my own doing. Don't have insurance, so I have to trust in the Lord. But there have been a couple of moments where it's gotten to the point where I've said, Lord, if you don't do something here, I'm going to have to break that promise. I'm going to have to do something because I'm concerned. But I go back to him and I say, Lord, you are my hope. You are my hope physically. You are my hope spiritually. You are my hope financially. You are my hope now and forever. And then somebody will call me up and pray with me and just take care of it. Don't worry about it. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Hold on to your hope. Hold on to him. Stop listening to the lies. Get out of the shadows. There's nothing good in the darkness. Romans 5, 2 through 5, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We're living in dark days, folks. People who lose hope lose sight of the Lord, and they forget what they know to be true. They listen to the voices in their ears and the ones they hear in their minds. You need the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need to say, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go down. I'm getting ready to crawl into the fetal position. I'm getting ready to fall into some shadows. I need some help. I need some light. I need a word. I need somebody to reach out to me. I need to hear you, Lord. Stop asking for the things the Lord can give you and start asking for more of him. So many people are praying for financial blessing. They're praying for spiritual blessings. They want so many things. But the truth is, if you want him and all of him, those things will come. I said that to him the other day with all the things I pray for and all the things we want to do and all the things that I believe I'm supposed to do. I just said, you know what, Lord, I just want more of you. I want you. I want more of you. I want more time with you. I want more of you and me. And, of course, the enemy will send things to shake you and challenge you and frustrate you. And then you have to back up and pray and say, Lord, I need more. For, you see, we were saved in this hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see. We eagerly await for it with perseverance. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we should pray, or, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Look up Romans eight twenty four through 27. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in what? Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
whatever you're going through right now, I wish I would have had a chance to talk to that young man or spend some time with that young man. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that no matter what it is, according to the Word of God, which I believe to be true, Romans 8.28 tells me that we know all things work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. It means we believe that God is a faithful Heavenly Father, both omniscient and omnipotent, and even able to use unfortunate things for our good if we love him. Suffering is a part of this world. Tribulation is a part of this world. He will not always spare us tragedies and illnesses and adverse circumstances or shield us from the persecution or the attacks of the enemy. But what shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Right now, God the Father is working for you in your circumstances, no matter what is happening. The enemy only wins if you let him win. Stop complaining about the darkness and praise the light. Find your way back into the light. Find your way back to him. Don't be in the dark. Father, I pray right now that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory that each and every one of us be strengthened with your might through your Holy Spirit to our inner man that Messiah may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all of our brothers and sisters and all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know that the love of Messiah, which passes all knowledge, that we may be filled with the fullness of God on every level, natural, supernatural, spiritual. Now to him, Yeshua, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, right now, right now, by your word, by your word, by your spirit, by your promises, by your love, any brothers and sisters, any that we know, any that are listening, any that are right out there right now, sitting in the shadow, sitting in the darkness, thinking that they're all alone, that no one cares. Send somebody into the shadow, into the darkness. Lord, if you would empower us and give SRT the money and give us the ability, we will go into the darkness. We will go into the lion's den and take the lamb out of the lion's mouth. We will battle the wolves of Hasatan, the Satan, and all of their evil. But right now, Lord, we can't. So send someone, send an angel to shine a light upon them, to let them know that there's hope. Let them hear your voice. Let them hear a song from their youth. Let something rise up in them that keeps them from doing the unthinkable, of taking a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Satan, we bind you and all the liars in service to you, all your fallen angels, all your demonic offspring. We stand in the gap for those that you are tormenting right now. And we command you to cease and to exist in Yeshua's name. We command you to shut up in Jesus' name. And Lord, let your glory shine. Let your glory shine. Let your rain of refreshing fall upon those who think that there's no hope. Send the blessing, Lord. Send the hope. Send the peace. Let them get up off the floor. Let them stand straight. Let them... Get the wrinkles out of their clothing, make straight the feeble knees, straighten out the shoulders, let them stand strong and say, I am a child of the living God, Satan. You have no authority over me. You can do me no harm. I know that my Abba Father loves me. And say it with conviction and say it with belief and punctuate it with, in Jesus' name I say, amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.